ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Coming up at 8 o'clock this morning, I'll be joined by Louisiana Ragin Cajun, Director of Athletics, Dr. Brian Maggard. A lot to get into with him right now. We're going to talk Saints football with Ralph Malbro, host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, Saints historian, a uh, Saints writer for WWLTV.com. And, Ralph, here we are Wednesday morning, a few days removed from the end of an era. Drew Brees is done. The window is closed in terms of contention, in my opinion anyway. But uh, with all that being said, man, where are you at a couple of days later? How are you feeling with it all? I mean, I was pretty, I was pretty distraught uh, Sunday night. You know, I, I think the, the older you get, the more I realize that like the winning is just so much fun, and like going back to the dark ages like scares me, right? So I was kind of restless on Sunday night. I was thinking about my column, and I knew I had to get up and do the the vibe hit for WWL. And the, but the thing I think as 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 it settled on for me, two things that made it was like one. It's not that hard to take because they turn the ball over four times. Like, you know, like if you had told me Sunday morning, if it, Scott, if you'd have called, if you'd have called me up, I'm like, Ralph, I got to the future. I didn't see the game, but I got us the stat sheet. So let's let's look at the stat sheet and let's let's gamble. And if you and me and you would have looked at the stat sheet, you'd be like, Tampa, the Saints turned the ball over four times. The Saints, the Saints turned the ball over four times. Tampa had none. I'd be like, Scott. I'm going to bet $10,000 on Tampa and then I'm going to go for a, I'm going to watch a James Bond movie during the game because that game's going to be horrible. Like, so it's really, it's, it's easy to take compared to all the other playoff balls because they just, they just, once Cook fumbled, they imploded. Yeah. And like, I firmly believe if Cook doesn't fumble, they drive down, they go up 10 or they go up 14, it's a wrap because Tom Brady was low-key terrible in that game. He just didn't turn the ball over. The Saints would have unleashed the pass rush on him, and it probably would have got out of control and would be talking ourselves into this week, well, the Saints can go to Green Bay and win, which they wouldn't have because their offense is a clogged toilet mostly. But, I mean, that's what it was. Like, the Saints, they just self-destructed. So, as far as, like, the the playoff losses of the other, others in this four years, like, this one was easy to take. Now, all the other things we're talking about, those are more difficult and complicated. But as far as the loss itself, like it, 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 it's it's not even in like my top five, six worst Saints moments. It was just it was just sad. That's it for Drew. To, yeah, to, to, for Drew to go out that way. It's sad and disappointing, but like, but I think it tells you about the psyche of a Saints fan and how rough the playoff <laughs> exits have been. When we're all kind of like, well, you know, it wasn't the refs. It was the you know, what I'm saying like <laughs> it was it was just. I, I talked to my friend Luke Johnson yesterday, who is the beat writer for the Times Picayune covering the Saints, and he he said the vibe he was getting was different. The vibe I got surprisingly was sad, disappointing, but kind of at peace with the fact that maybe it's the Drew Brees angle of it, like at peace with the fact that okay, it's it's that's it for Brees, you know, like yeah. it's just it's even though he hadn't <laughs> announced it yet. Like I think so at peace, maybe I'm using that phrase like too judiciously but like honestly from the fans that i mean there was a lot of interaction monday morning and there wasn't well this and that i mean look you can dog on michael thomas who's out there quoting nipsey hustle on twitter and getting people in a tizzy for having zero catches and you mentioned jared cook and that fumble was undoubtedly antoine winfield jr made the biggest play of the game and you can get into all the reasons like it's sour but 
I think it was like a culmination of like just knowing Drew Brees' career is over. It's the end of an era. Contention window is closed. Now, bear in mind, I don't think the Saints are suddenly going to be awful or anything, but I think it was just all of that stuff surprisingly was kind of accepted all at once with the loss. I mean, I guess fans were preparing themselves. Okay, this is kind of that last run, and let's see if they can do it for Drew. And when it didn't happen, it was just sad and disappointment instead of sort of anger and denial and regret, if that makes sense. Well, listen, I've always said when you lose a home playoff game, it's a different kind of feeling, and you feel like you let something get away because obviously the Saints were the better team than Tampa because they beat them twice, and they were the home team, and Tampa was the road team. So when you lose a home playoff game, it always feels like you let something get away, right? So that's part of it. But I want to say one thing that made me feel feel a lot better was I was watching ESPN, and Dominic Foxworth was on one of their shows, and he made a great point. You know, he was was, saying, he's like, I'm watching Breeze, and I'm watching himself destruct in the fourth quarter, and he can't make these throws. And you can see that his arm is cooked, and he's rattled and all this. And, his, and he said, at first I was sad and that, that he's like, he's going to go out this way in his final game. He's played terrible. But then, then Dominic Foxworth said, you know what? I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? That's the way you need to go out. Because he said, as a football player or as, as somebody that does sports, you, if you go out and he would have thrown for 375 and four touchdowns and the Saints would have lost because the defense imploded or whatever, then it'd be like, well, my boys let me down. Maybe I can still – maybe there's something left. Maybe he had a little bit left. Maybe he should have come back and would always be like, what if? Now it's like, no, dude, you're done. You're done. Like, you cannot do this anymore. Your body has betrayed you like everyone else. Father time continues to be undefeated. Like, you're done. And I think Drew Brees, he's at pe- I think he's at peace with it, and he knows it. And to me, it makes it easy. Like, and I said this on our podcast. I don't – Scott, I don't want him to come back. Like – because to me, you're going to see more of the days like you saw on Sunday going forward if Drew Brees would come back, then you're going to see the good days. And I don't want to have the conversation in the middle of 2021, it's time to bench Drew. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have that conversation. It's, like, it's bad, it's bad enough that, we had, that it ended like this. I don't want it to drag on, and I don't want to have arguments of, Drew Brees is killing us. He has to stop playing. Like, I just, I don't want to have that conversation. And because of that, like, I'm at peace. Like, it's over. It's over. We got to move it along. And it was great. It was the best 15 years we'll ever have as a Saints fan, right? But everything ends. And and because of how it ended, I think I'm just, like you said, I'm just at peace with it. Ralph Malro, our guest, ESPN 1420. I think the apathy that a fan can develop when their team is constantly losing can sort mm-hmm. of just wear on you. Like, I imagine Lions fans, when they finally have a real string of success, if that will ever happen, will sort of begin to develop emotions as a fan that, like, had been dead in them for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not to say that they're not disappointed year after year, but when you expect it, when you lose, it just hits different. You know, the the first 20 years of the Saints franchise, and then – Pretty much the rest of it prior to 06, with the exception of, you know, uh, maybe a five-year stretch under Mora and one year under Haslett, you look at all but five seasons in the first 39 years, you sort of develop that, you know, you become almost just just apathetic. Like, well, hey, 
we're the Aints. We lose a lot. It's funny. Laugh at us. We still love this team, but it's almost like a chuckle. Like, yeah, this pain is it's painful. It just is what it is. Yeah. I, we, I'm sorry. I argued. Go ahead. I argued, I argued with people in like 2015, 2016 that were like, I'm tired of the 79. Yes, Drew Brees is winning, but I want to get rid of Drew. I want to get rid of Sean, and I want to go 3-13. and 13. It'll be fun. It'll be interesting. And I'm like, you're 27 years old, dude. Going 3-13 and 13 and being bad for multiple years, it's fun for about two weeks. And then you're like, it's October 15th, we're 1-5, and five, and our season is over, and I'm looking at draft grades. Like, and because we have a whole generation of Saints fans that haven't experienced, like, just unending horribleness, they don't know what it's like. And, and, and I'm not saying this as an old guy, like, they need to learn, you, you know, to be a diehard, you have to suffer. No, no, dude. I'm happy that there's an entire generation of Saints fans that thinks seven and nine is difficult. Like, that makes me happy that the Saints have gotten to this level. Um, you know, and I'm going to say this, guys. This offseason, it's the most important offseason since 2006 when they hired Sean Payton and they got Drew Brees. And the offseason where in the 90s, Jim Finks got lung cancer, died, and Tom Benson decided to do like a power sharing thing where like Jim Mora, Jim Miller, Bill Q. Harris, it was like the three-headed monster. And they were, they were all going to have say, so nobody had say. And it was really weird. It was and, awful. And, it, and obviously failed because the, 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 after, after 1992, the Saints were a disaster. So this is as consequential as those two big moments in Saints history. Like the Saints, they have a ton to do this offseason, but they're in a good spot. They can, if they can get it right, it can be okay. And I, I, was, I was researching, like, when, what happens when, when, like, great teams, quarterbacks, like, great quarterbacks when they retire, like, what happens to their teams afterwards? And, like, we know Green Bay, they had Aaron Rodgers. But I'm going to give you one that I think is a good match for the Saints. Dan Marino retired in 1999. He got his teeth kicked in by Jacksonville, by the way. They lost 62-7 to in oh, the final round. Yep. Dan Marino retired. Jimmy Johnson retired. because he Remember, he was a coach with the Dolphins. They made Dave Wanstatt the coach. Do you know what the Miami Dolphins record were, was the three years yeah, after they, Marino left? They had they Dave, went a, Damon Heward and, and Jay Fiedler. Wow, unless I was, I was going to guess 10-6, and six, but... Yeah, Damon Hewer, Jay Fiedler. I mean, it was it was the last time. That was the last. The Dolphins haven't won a playoff game since the 2000 season. I mean, it's been that long, but that was the year what after Marino. So yeah, that, it, but that roster was, and that's the reason why I said that is Jimmy Johnson. He couldn't really he couldn't push out Marino, and he couldn't find the quarterback that he wanted, and and Marino was too far gone in decline. But Jimmy Johnson built a great roster. And I think that's where the Saints are, right? They have a really, really good roster. And Sean Payton's a better coach than Wonset. So, like, the Saints, if they can figure it out, they can still be competitive. Maybe they can't win a Super Bowl with James Winston or Stafford or or whoever, whatever they decide. But, like, they can still be good and fun. And I'm going to tell you, like, you look around the South, I'm not sold on Matt Rule. I don't know about Arthur Smith. He did some nice things in Tennessee, but you know, just because you can just because you can call plays doesn't mean you can be a head coach. And you know, Tom Brady, he looks he looks clo- he looks a lot closer to Drew Brees cooked than people want to admit. 
You know, he just didn't turn the ball over Sunday. So I think the South, if the Saints can figure, can navigate this, they can win a fifth straight division title. It's 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 within grasp. It's just it's very very difficult moves, and they like it's it's gigantic moves that if you get them right, you succeed. If you get them wrong, you fall right back into six seven wins. So it's a it's an interesting moment, and they have. You know, they're going to have a drain out the organization, right? Fontenot left. Dan Campbell left. Nielsen's trying to go to LSU, although the Saints are either trying to block it or trying to keep him. So they're going to have a drain out of front office people and players. So it's, it's, it is a huge challenge. Ralph Malbro, our guest, huge. I mean, I, I, the depth of this team is about to take a huge lick. You know, one thing I think mm-hmm. the team had this year was a lot of depth, especially on defense. Um, mm-hmm. And the defense was the strength of this team this past season. I mean, between Sheldon Rankins and Trey Hendrickson and Marcus Williams and Janoris Jenkins and Quan Alexander, even though he only played a few games, you saw the the night and day difference mm-hmm. between he and Anzalone when he was on the field. I mean, there's a chance all of those guys are gone. In fact, the high chance. Maybe one is back, maybe two. But you look at the depth of this roster, what they're going to have to do um, – you know, Jared Cooks, you know, what are they going to do with tight end? Obviously, quarterback's going to be the number one thing. They're already $100 million over the cap. And I know you and many joke about Mickey Loomis. And it, at some point, though, Ralph, when the, when the cap goes down, as it's expected to, and yep. you've got, you know, Drew Brees retiring, that's $22.5 million dead money, dead cap money, that you, you can't move that around. You can, you can give extensions to Ramchek and Lattimore, so you take money off the cap this year. But... Uh, it's just it, the 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 roster this year. The top of it, this, there's going to be a number of different starters for sure that are not going to be as good as the guys that started this past year. But I just think when you start getting to the depth of this roster, when when you're complimenting a guy because he's a good backup, that's a good thing. But it doesn't mean they're a good starter, right? And then when those guys are yeah. now starting, and now the backups are others. Obviously, you got to hit on the draft and have impact, but. For everyone that's saying, well, you know, they did it in 2017. Yeah, they did it in 2017. They had arguably the best NFL draft ever or one of them. You know, the odds of it happening again are are, are slim. I mean, it's tough. I just think – I don't think the Saints are going to be drafting in the top five of the 2022 draft. Okay, I don't. I think they're going to win some games in this, next year, but I think it's going to – I think it's just going to be more difficult. And, you know, you mentioned Dave Wanstead, the Miami team. Boy, they had a good old line. They were really good at running the football, um, and they had some playmakers on defense. So I don't know. I, I guess that that transitions into my next question for you. What is the offensive identity going to be now that Drew Brees is gone? It's a good. It's a good question. You know, and the one thing that I will say is that has really the Saints sort of it benefited them greatly, in my opinion, was the way the twenty twenty season played out. To me it has made it has helped them tremendously in their quarterback decision making process right they went 12 and 4 they won a playoff game and they got to look at the guy that Sean Payton clearly liked and wanted to give an opportunity they loved Taysom in that building they got 4 weeks of him and i'm listen I, Sean Payton knows 99,000 times more football than me but, Scott, if I can look at Taysom Hill and see he got four weeks, he doesn't process the, the defenses fast enough, he doesn't, make the, he doesn't make good enough decisions, 
They got three weeks of him. The Denver game doesn't really count, right? Because the Denver they they had like me playing quarterback, so that game doesn't count. But they got that in the playoff game. He didn't. He again didn't pull the trigger against the Bears and and fumbled. I think Sean Payton is smart enough to know Taysom ain't it, and I think that piece of knowledge that the Saints got is going to help them tremendously. Like, if imagine if Drew had played all 16 games, then the Saints could go into this offseason where like, we're going to go with Taysom, and we wouldn't have any information. It'd, it'd all be speculation, right? Well, and we'd, we'd argue about it. We'd be like, he can be good. We don't know. You don't know. Now, it's like, we saw it for four weeks, dude. He's 31. He ain't it. And to me, if the Saints decide to go with Taysom, and I know people are going to, if they decide, they'll say, well, I trust Sean Payton. It'll be okay. I don't. Like, I am 100% com- believe Taysom Hill is 31. He's never going to be a good enough starting quarterback. He's great as a backup. He's great as a utility player. He does amazing things for the Saints. I hope they keep him. I hope they extend him, lower that cap number. But he ain't it, at quarterback. And I think the Saints have enough information. They should make that decision. And it helps them decide what they're going to do at quarterback this offseason, which, by the way, Scott, if you like Splasher Ford and Juicy Saints rumors, this is your offseason, baby, because you are going to get ridiculous Saints speculation on what they're going to do at quarterback until they make the decision. You're going to have the – it's going to be up like the, a couple weeks before free agency, the Saints rumors at quarterback are going to be amazing. I cannot wait. Ralph Malro of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, our guest, Saints historian. What are the odds Taysom does start week one next year, Jameis or someone else? We'll get Ralph's thoughts on that and more. He just kind of teased you with where he might be leaning, but that's coming your way next right here. It's the Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the program, everybody. Good morning. I am Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show. Louisiana Raging Cajun Director of Athletics, Dr. Brian Maggard, will be joining me at 8 o'clock this morning. Later on in the 8 o'clock hour, we'll open up phone lines as well, talk some Pelicans basketball, among other things. But right now, still on with me, Saints historian, host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Did you hear the big show yesterday? Did you listen? If you haven't, download it, listen today. Great content there. Ralph Malbro is our guest. All right, Ralph, we, we were kind of finishing, going into the break, talking about how this daunting offseason of the Saints is going to be full of rumors and splash reports. And, man, I just wish they had a lot of cap space, but they don't. <laughs> uh, I think it would make the reports even more fun. Uh, it would but, be. It would be. It, because then then we could, if they had more cap space, we, we, could, we could get reckless. We could, just reckless. We could. We could get reckless, and we could just dream of Deshaun Watson. Although, I will say this about Deshaun Watson. I don't think he'll be a Saint, but I'm really convinced he's not going to be a Texan. And I'm going to tell you this. He has a no-trade clause in his contract. So he gets to dictate where he goes in a way that we have never seen in the NFL. Most of the time in the NFL, you fight with your team, you say, get me out of here, and they say, fine, and they ship you off where they want to ship you for the best offer. Deshaun Watson, I'm in Houston. It ain't like that. And, by the way, if you think the Saints historically have been a dumpster fire, the Texans, they've reached levels of dumpster fire the Saints could only dream of. Like, they have a, they have a preacher who 
used to be the team chaplain for the for the Patriots. He's like executive vice president of player personnel. And he's got the owner under his spell. It it is remarkable the amount of chaos with the Texans. But anyway, Deshaun Deshaun Watson he gets to pick his trade destination basically. If I was a Saints, Scott, I would be back channeling that to him, players that know him, and be like, dude, don't go to the Jets. Don't go here. You need to tell them you need to go to the Saints. And if I was the Saints and it could happen, I'd give the Texans whatever they want. I just that's what you want. Gear done. Get Deshaun Watson. But that's not going to happen. There are other realistic, more realistic options that they, that that we need to talk about. But that's let, I, I dream let, about that like seven times. Yeah, I mean, look, a twenty-five-year-old proven quarterback. Here is, I think, I think he will be on the Texans next year. But I'm not fully confident because, as you said, they probably have the the most poor ownership in the league in terms of player relationship and and things like that. And as a result, you know, I wouldn't put it past them to make a giant mistake and just go ahead and do it. So it's it 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 could possibly happen. But here's the thing. I don't know that if it gets down to it, Deshaun is just gonna say, you know what, I'm not playing. Like if it gets to to training camp and he's like, I'm not does he have that in him? Now if he does, I think we're gonna look back at it as this landmark moment in the NFL among the the top tier one percent of players because like for for comparison, I hear a lot of analysts and people in this profession talk about the player empowerment movement of the NBA, and I always correct them. I'm like, that's not what it is. If you want to call it the elite superstar empowerment, you can, but there are only a few players that can dictate terms yep. and get what they want. In the NFL, that percentage is even smaller. You're talking about a very elite group in a league where you have 53 active players on a roster and you're looking at a single position. You know, it's one thing if, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell's like, I'm not playing this year and you can find me and, okay, I'll get a contract next year. That's a running back. That's different. You're not you're not dictating things mm-hmm. and, and it, it lasted a while. But in the end, you know, did it historically really rip Pittsburgh apart? Did it help Bell? No. If a quarterback with a no-trade clause at 25 years old who is, I think everyone can agree, a franchise quarterback, an elite player, is able to dictate, dictate's too strong of a word, is able to maneuver his way out of an organization and get traded to a destination of his choice because he's willing to just simply say what he wants and not show up, is he willing to take it that far? I think in terms of the NFLPA and and you know again not player empowerment but elite quarterback one percent type player empowerment. This is a a a moment in the NFL. But ultimately, if I had to lay down money, I think he's probably maybe even reluctantly starting in Houston Week One next year. Well, we've never we'll get back to the Saints, but we've ne- we've never seen an NFL player hold out a star player hold out for an entire year. And remember the new collective bargaining agreement, when you are under contract, holding out is punitive. Like they wreck your wallet now and they take away service time. So we've never seen it. We've seen Le'Veon Bell do it. He held out, but he wasn't under contract. Bobby Bear, former saint back in the day, he held out an entire year, but they weren't under contract. It was just basically about money. Right. So we'll see. Um, but I think I think still Scott, I think quarterback for the Saints, I wouldn't be surprised if 
they do something that is shocking and sort of head headline grabbing in a way that's more headline grabbing than oh they're just going to keep Winston which would be big news around the league because it's it's a 12 and 14 and Jameis you know if they decided to go that way he would it would now be hey Jameis you're going to start for a winning organization you don't have any more excuses my guy Tampa was kind of a dumpster fire, but now they, you left and they went 11-5 and five and they're in the NFC Championship game. Now you're with the Saints and you're with Sean Payton. You have no more excuses. So that would be interesting and big news. But I, I wouldn't be surprised either if the Saints, like if Matt Stafford comes available or, they, or, or, or in the draft they trade up. Although the one thing that I think fans need to remember about the Saints, and this is something that, that <clears throat> when I learned it, it, it made me view their offseason off in a different way. When the Saints go into their offseason and they have their, their depth chart, right, and they have their, their giant board of their starters and their holes, the Saints, they go into free agency. They consider, a guy, like, at safety, Marcus Williams, he's a free agent. They consider, once he's a free agent, they have a hole at free safety that they have to fill. And until he's re-signed or they sign somebody else, they have to decide what they're going to do at free safety, right? So I think that makes quarterback even more imperative, right? Because if they decide, hey, we want Jameis, but it doesn't work out, they have to fill it in another way. You can't, you can't go into the draft, right, and be, if you decide Taysom's not the guy. You can't go into the draft and be like, well, we're going to get a quarterback in the draft. Are you sure about that? in the low 20s. So I think quarterback becomes the first thing that they've got to figure out. And I wouldn't be surprised whether they figure it out with Winston or a trade for Stafford or whatever. I think, Scott, the more I think about it, it's got to be done before free agency starts. Like, they gotta, they got to make a decision and lock that in place. It, 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 you've seen them kind of... It, it, it's the number one storyline of the offseason, but I think... Here's the reality. Like odds are, if I had to bet, I would I would probably say Jameis Winston most likely, but I'm not even putting it at 50-50. That's how up in the air it is. Because for if you're Winston, mm-hmm. and they say, look, we want you to come back, compete again, one year deal, worth more, maybe more than a million dollars, but one year deal. Is he going to say, sure, I'll come back? Because last year when Breeze got hurt, you started this dude, and and I stayed on the bench. So, am I the starter? Or are you going to? Do that again and start mm-hmm. him. And, and and folks listening can say, oh, well, you know, if you don't want to compete, you shouldn't. Whatever. You want to compete and you want a starting job. And if he gets an offer elsewhere for more money and he feels like, all right, I'm guaranteed to start, maybe he does it. Was he so enamored with what he saw all season that he just wants to come back on a team-friendly deal? If they can't sign Winston and can't make a trade for a guy, I mean, I, I, I love the idea of Stafford in a Saints uniform, but he's got a $33 million cap hit this year, you know. In 2022, the cap hit is 26 mil, but it also is like six mil in dead cap if you cut them. But the Lions aren't exactly an organization that just lets their best players go. I mean, we saw Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson mm-hmm. just say, "You know what? I'm good. I'm going to retire." And <laughs> and they said, "We're not going to pay you." So it, it makes for I, I like the idea as well. But there's a lot of there's a lot of cobwebs you kind of got to clean and, and get through to get to the to, to make a deal like that happen. I think 2022 might be more. Like the odds of Taysom starting, and and Luke Johnson was bringing this up. I don't know that it's not necessarily because even though Sean Payton would say we believe it, 
if you end up just having Taysom next year because he's under contract and Jameis went somewhere else and you bring in some other journeymen or backups, like uh, it, it could be yeah. a year. Like I it think, could go there. I think in your I think I think what they want to do is what you said. They want to have all this decided, locked in, and moving forward. I just what what is Mickey going to do with the cap constraints? If it is in fact like 175 million, you know they're they're going to probably add that 17th game, so maybe it's a little more. But as much as we talk about Mickey Math this year, it's like I don't know, man. Like, can he evade the tax collectors again? Like, is he going to get well, audited and just find a? I think this year you are going to start to see maybe not what some expect of. Oh, they can't do anything. We all know that's drastic, and a lot in the national media go way over the top with it. But there are going to be some constraints this year that I think he hasn't faced the last several years. Oh, I, 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 I completely agree. I don't think I think people, cap people, they're looking at it is is they think the Saints will have to cut the roster, maybe cut Emmanuel Sanders and Jenkins and and Jack Rabbit and all that. I don't think they'll do that, but I definitely think there's constraints on them where. They're going to try to keep the roster together. They're going to have like I would be stunned if the Saints go into free agent and they even get like middle class or lower middle class free agents. I think the Saints, their free agency period, they're not going to really do anything until it's bargain shopping time. Like they just, it's just not yeah. going to be possible. And also, too, Scott, you got to remember, like the Saints have been in, in what I like to call it the last four years. Like they've been in YOLO mode. They've been like. We have this amazing team. We have Drew. We are trying to win a Super Bowl. So they went out and got Jenkins. They went out and got Emmanuel Sanders. You know, they've done all these things to try to win a Super Bowl. But now I think it isn't so much of, hey, let's blow up the roster. It's, hey, we're not chasing a Super Bowl anymore. We got to kind of clean up the books. We got to make it. We got to, we got to get sort of get, figure out where our future is, you know, and the thing is to remember with the Saints is the quarterback market, Scott, we don't know how it's going to be. You may have, if Phillip Rivers either retires or the Colts don't want him back, if Big Ben retires, right? that's two more teams that need, would need a quarterback. New England, they need a quarterback. The Bears, they need a quarterback. You know, so you have a lot of teams, and you know those are the ones I just mentioned. There'll probably be another team that will surprise us that will that'll get rid of their quarterback. So you have you have potentially a very robust quarterback market. So you know you would say, well, Jameis hasn't really shown that much, so who would pay him? But all it takes is one team, right? Like all it would take with the Colts would be like, hey, Jameis, you want three years, eighty million dollars? And the Saints would be like, nah, man, we can't do that. Right. So we have a, there's a lot of moving parts. And I think your, I think your Taysom scenario of they're just in a, they're, they're just kind of forced into a holding pattern at For quarterback yeah. is very likely. Another caveat is what happens if Sean Payton falls madly in love with a quarterback, right? And I think one thing we also need to keep in mind is, I don't think the Saints have any regrets that they didn't pick Patrick Mahomes. I really don't. Like they, he wasn't there, and they, the the Kansas City jumped in and they picked Lattimore, and it's worked out. They didn't win a Super Bowl, but I don't think the Saints really have any regrets. But I do think the fact that Sean Payton looks back and says we were going to take Mahomes, I was a hundred percent right about that guy. 
I think that influences this year in a sense that, like, if he falls in love with Zach Wilson or another quarterback, he's going to think, I was right about Patrick Mahomes. I'm right about, insert this dude's name, Mickey, we got to go get him. So I think that's one thing to keep in mind on draft day um, with the Saints and that the Patrick Mahomes sort of saga with the Saints, it's sort of it'll sort of influence their thinking and they may be super aggressive to go get a quarterback. It'd be one thing if they passed on Mahomes and he got drafted behind him, but the fact that Kansas city jumped up in front of him, maybe the feelings a little different, but to your point that that influences Peyton and saying, we can't let a team, you know, if it, cause Kansas city jumped up from what? Like 28, right? So the Saints are, are sitting at 28. You know, or I think they were twenty. They were in the mid to late twenties when they moved up yep. in that draft to get him, and uh, and Buffalo ended up taking Tre'Davious White, and then they ended up drafting Josh Allen on a later draft. And now they're in the AFC title game against Mahomes and the Chiefs. That's an interesting storyline for this Sunday evening. But we're talking Saints football for a few more minutes with our guest Ralph Malbro, host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. All right, so so if I gave you a Taysom, this isn't necessarily what you want or the Saints want, just what you think will happen. A, Taysom Hill is starter week one next year. B, Jameis Winston is starter for the Saints week one next year. Or C, another quarterback. What What do you think the, the highest odds are, the, rather the best odds are? Which option are, do you think is going to unfold? I think, it's, I, think it's like, I think it's like 45% Jameis, 35% Taysom, and, you know, what is that, 20% someone else. Um, I really, I really do think they want Jameis and it'll be Jameis because I think Jameis, I think Jameis's market is go. I think his market and maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I think his market is going to be very similar to 2019 Teddy Bridgewater, where remember in 20, in 2018, they traded for Teddy Bridgewater right, right in the summer. And we were like, what are you doing giving him a third-round pick for Teddy Bridgewater? Like, he's, his knee exploded. Like, what are you doing? And then he came in, and he was healthy, and he did the bike dance, and we loved him as a backup. But he didn't play at all, right? He, he, he played the last week he started, and he didn't look good, but the Saints were playing all the backups. So we were thinking, like, he's going to have a pretty – decent market because teams will look at him and, and, and he showed with the Saints he's at least healthy. He'll have a decent market. He didn't. The only market he had was the Dolphins were like, hey, Teddy, we'll pay you $5 million, $6 million to come and be the quarterback of our terrible team. And he was like, nah, bro, I'm just going to stay with the Saints because if I go to Miami and I'm, te- and, and I'm on your team and, and, and you're terrible and I'm terrible, I'm never going to get a starting job ever again. And I'm going to be forced to be career backup guy. And I don't want that. So he stayed with the saints. The saints had to pay him a little bit extra because Miami made a decent push. Right. I think that's, what's going to happen with Winston. I think another team's going to sniff around, but they're not going to want to commit to Jameis. So Jameis will have the same thing of, well, I could be the starter for the saints for one year. I can go to this team that I don't know. Are they any good? So I think it's, I think it's going to be, Jameis on like a one year or it'll be like they'll Nikki will do shenanigans and it'll be framed as some sort of three year deal or whatever, but it'll really just be a one year prove it deal for Jameis. That's where I still think it's gonna lean because I just I just can't see any team looking at Jameis and being like, Let's commit 
a hundred million dollars to yeah. him. No, like, I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't see it. Now teams are dumb and do weird stuff, but I just, I can't see it. I still, I still think it's going to be Jameis. And let me tell you something, Jameis Winston with the saints, it can be incredibly fun because that dude is only 25 and he pushes the ball down the field and he's kind of reckless, but Sean Payton's an offensive genius. Like, I would be I'm fine I'm fine with Jameis Winston being the quarterback for the Saints in 2021. I'd be a little bit more less enthusiastic if they made a long-term commitment, but if you can go Jameis Taysom and it's sort of like this one-year holding period, let's do a let's do a let's get weird and <laughs> do a crazy experiment. Like I'm fine with that for 2021. Storylines galore for sure, man. I, I was texting you this. It's like he's – Jameis is – to be clear, I'm not saying Jameis is on cocaine. He's not. I'm saying his play on the field is like people that are that, that have been coke addicts are like, man, there's these incredible highs and it's amazing. But, boy, when you hit that wall, it comes crashing down hard. Like, that was like Jameis's last year in Tampa Bay. It was like, oh, my – like, look at – this is incredible. Like, how is he doing it? And then – Oh, it's a pick six, and up oh, there's that. Oh, there's that crash, and it's bad. Well, you know what? He's back on the field. Maybe, maybe we have a shot to just hit another line. Maybe he's going to throw it, and it's going to be this incredible drive, and he's going to lead the league in passing, but also in interceptions. Like it's just the incredible highs and lows of that that last season as a starter last year in Tampa. I, I will say this though about Jameis. You know, I do I do think there is something to him getting the LASIK surgery. Um, changing his diet, right? Uh, dedicating his body more, taking a, a deal where he got paid less because he wanted to come in and be in a different environment, be in a different quarterback room. By all accounts, very classy, like you know, a funny guy. Like his teammates say, look, he's he's funny, he's wild. But in terms of his work ethic and the time he put in, all the reports are that he really dedicated himself and he, you know, do you do that as a backup on a $1 million deal? Not all guys were. So there, I mean, we can, we can point to different things from his past, but I think if we do, we also need to point out to how he handled himself mm-hmm. this past season. But, you know, if another team says, we'll give you a chance to start and Sean's saying, well, we will probably do that. Jameis, maybe Jameis is like, yeah, you know, I've been down that road already. I'm out. I, the quarterback the, situation the hard, is, is a big one. The hard thing for Jameis, is you know, and this is this is just looking down the the line. I think the hard thing for Jameis and for the Saints is like if he plays in twenty twenty one and it's like a one year prove it deal, and he's sort of in the in this sort of purgatory where like he's not Jameis thirty interception Jameis from twenty nineteen Tampa, but he's clearly not like optimal. Sean Payton quarterback, he's somewhere in the middle, and the Saints go like eight, eight, nine, seven. Then you're like, then other teams will be like, he's plenty good enough to be a quarterback for us. And then you have to make the decision on whether to pay him. I think that is where it gets really dicey with Winston. But you're not there. You're not there yet. That would be that would be a discussion you have like next off season, you know, where like say the Saints go nine and seven and miss the playoffs, but like down the stretch, he was, you know, he threw six touchdowns and 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 four, and twelve picks, and the Saints finished one and four and missed the playoffs. Like then it becomes really complicated. But right now, I think it's going to end up being the Saints sort of get a no risk flyer on Jameis. And the thing is too, it just 
to me, it's fascinating, Scott, because he is so young. He's only 25. Like, the thing is, he's been around a while, but we don't think of him that way. Jameis Winston, to me, is like a Powerball ticket that you got and you're reading it off, and the little, the little girl that pulls the number, and she's pulled like four, like four of the winning numbers. And you're like, oh, my, oh my God, we're going to win $800 million. But you still got four numbers to go, and the odds probably aren't in your favor, but you're closer than anybody else in the world, right? So that's how I view Jameis. He's like a Powerball ticket, and the girl is pulling the winner, winning numbers, so it's really you're, – you're suddenly getting very – very excited, Jameis Winston. Um, so he's. I, I thought he was. I thought he was twenty six this year. I could be off. I mean, but mm. it, either way, whether whether he's twenty six or twenty seven next season, he's still much younger than I guess we th- like. If if he gets his career back on track, he's around for another decade. You know, like mm. a long time. And I think that's your point, right? Like he's a guy that. I don't know, man. My final question for you, Ralph. Ralph Malbro has been our guest. Appreciate the time. Go check out the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Even in the offseason, man, they're churning it out. They're rolling it out. They're having fun. It's Saints content. Give me one crazy prediction that probably won't come true, but you just you want to get reckless with it. What's something that you feel like, you know what, there's a very small part of me, not a big part, but a very small part of me that thinks this is a possibility this offseason for the Saints? They're not, they're not going to they're not going to extend Lattimore or Lattimore or Ramchek and they trade one of them because you can't you can't go like either one of those guys they're not going to play out their fifth year option right like like you can't tell Lattimore hey Lattimore we're not going to pay you we paid Ramchek we're not paying you so you're just going to have to play out the fifth year option we're not going to pay you like that's not how the NFL works so so. Um, they have to make a decision. I think there's a 30% chance one of those two guys gets traded. Now, you can say it's Lattimore or Ramchick, although Lattimore is awesome in that playoff game, so he complicates it. I think that's my crazy prediction. One of those guys is not on the roster in 2021 because the Saints make the decision. We, we, we're not or we can't pay both. All right. Ralph Malbro has been our guest. I appreciate the time, man. Uh, tell all our folks that maybe don't know how they can hear your podcast. Maybe they're just not up to date with it or they just haven't checked it out yet. Go ahead and, and sell them on it. Just wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple, Stitcher, whatever app you use, where however you listen to podcasts in your car, just search Saints Happy Hour Podcast. Hit the subscribe button and listen to us for like three days. And that you got you got to listen to us for like three days to get the flow, to get the inside jokes. And I promise you, if you like jokes and you like fun and you like Saints content, we're the best Saints podcast there is. And we churn it out more than anybody else. So like when the Saints have breaking news and and all these other Saints podcasts are like, ah, it's the off season now. We'll see you around the draft. We'll see you at the beginning of free agency. Not us. We go every freaking day so we're the best saints podcast we're the most fun so just search saints happy hour search saints happy hour wherever you get your podcast great stuff from ralph malbro appreciate the time my friend we'll talk to you soon all right anytime scott big thanks to uh to ralph malbro for coming on and you know i mentioned mike thomas briefly but when news came out yesterday that 
he was going to have surgeries on both the torn deltoid and other parts of his high ankle. Like, it's not a surprise that he's having to undergo off-season surgery on his ankle. I mean, it, 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 he injured it late in week one. It kind of carried with him throughout the season. Um, not a surprise, but maybe not as maybe worse than I guess we anticipated or really realized. Zero catches on Sunday, first time in his entire NFL career, and I know he's taking a lot of heat, but he apparently put off having surgery because he wanted to come back this season because he knew this was it for Drew. Adam Schefter said as much. He knew this was it for Drew Brees, and he didn't want to miss out on trying to win a Super Bowl with him. So 